If I drove out to Houston to steal your scotch collection, would you give it to me? Um, I'm not going to just give you my scotch collection. Oh, I would have to buy it off of you? Well, yeah, because if I'm going to give it to anybody, I'm going to give it to my brother. Does he, like, drink scotch? Yes, he loves scotch. So why haven't you given it to him already? Because I can't... Because I'm... I'm a little attached to it. (laughs) You come home and, like, stare longingly at your scotch bottles and, like, stroke them and (laughs) read them bedtime stories and put them... Like, you knit koozies for them. You don't know my life, Joe. I'm pretty sure I do. So let's get into it. Hello, everybody, and welcome to May We Geek Again, episode 20. Nice round number. We're a podcast talking about a show called The 100 on The CW. Um, so I am joined today by my um, semi-sober co-host, Joe and Shaheen. Hey, guys. How are you doing? Hey, guys. <laughs> and somebody's drink- <laughs> pouring a drink. <laughs> Is that you, Joe? Yeah, I just uh, topped off my, like... Yeah, fuck. God damn it. So, so Joe is so Joe is currently working with a stomach full of peanut stale, butter muffins, stale breakfast cereal, stale cereal, and, and drinking red wine. Leftover I mean, it's red wine. it's a little it's a little trailer parky. If you're asking well, me. Well, okay, so here's the deal. I'm doing this because, first of all, I thought that Shaheen and I were on the same page and we're both going to be drinking to take up your slack. And second of all, like, now I just feel kind of abandoned, but I've committed myself to this because apparently people like it when we drink on the pot. So yeah, what I'm well, saying is when I barf up breakfast cereal and crusty red wine, um, it's for the listeners. I was I was actually at that point after one podcast um, that I had I had not um, I didn't pace myself well <laughs> uh, I was I was hurt and I couldn't even think about editing after after that one podcast so so Shaheen is not drinking and I will never be drinking again because I have uh, liver issues that preclude me from drinking ever again. <laughs> are talking about the four horsemen today and that was written by heidi mcadams i what i think uh it was a pretty pretty good episode i enjoyed it but i think what i've been reading from people who have received uh screeners for the next for the next episode which is a lie guarded these three episodes have been kind of ramping up the story they haven't really been the story but just kind of leading up to when the shit's gonna start going down so these these episodes have felt a little inconsequential because no big things have happened. What do you guys think? Are you guys um, did you guys like this this episode? Well, I actually feel like this was one of those episodes that made me feel like this show doesn't fuck around. Um, really? Well, yeah, I mean, first of all, they shortened the the amount of time that they have to survive by uh, two thirds. That's true. And, you know, I don't know. It was just like, uh, it's episode three, and we're already seeing the, the effect of the radiation yeah. pretty seriously. A bunch of people died. Yeah. So fish are dying, fish. insects are dying. I don't know. That seems like it's moving pretty fast. 
Yeah, but I guess we haven't had big sweeping moments. I guess that that's kind of what I've been looking for. Nothing's like, been in slow motion with 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 music swelling in the background. Well, save for Octavia tossing her spear into the doctor in the 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 uh, premiere episode, there's nothing been in slow motion. But I'm telling you, like those moments where like like Finn's death. Or Tom DC bombing like these well, that, big. That happened kind of, on what yeah, episode was later. that? That was episode eight. Yeah, yeah, yeah I re- I realized that, but I don't know. I don't know. I mean, things just feel. I guess the pace feels a little bit like season one, and I'm not complaining, guys. I'm not. I'm not complaining. I think it's it's good. I am just chomping at the bit to get to the meat. So, Joe, what did you think about the episode? Um, I, you know, I, I continue my, my sentiment that the season is starting out, you know, pretty strong and sort of, you know, it's getting all of its plates spinning. Um, so then then the middle of the season, we can continue spinning them as fast as possible. And then they start to wobble and drop one by one. So, um, you know, I'm, yeah, and it's, it's the good China too. It's grandma's China. Yeah. I mean, it's it's going to hurt when those fall. Huh? What's my it's fault? gonna hurt when the what? No, it's gonna hurt when those fall. Oh yeah, but Grandma's trying to fug anyway. Yeah, it's fug, but it's been in the family forever, so it's got that you know. And what if Grandma's still alive and she's like, "You just fucking dropped all my china. You're out of the will." I mean, that's that's fair. You don't get to keep the china that I put in the will for you, and you're like, "Thanks, Grandma," and she still sends you twenty dollars for your birthday. <laughs> No, $20. Wow, your grandma is generous. I know, right? $5. What? Was that adjusted massively for inflation? Oh, my goodness. Uh, So let's let's get into the the storylines that we're going to talk about today. So we're breaking it down into the Arcadia storyline, the Polis storyline, and the crazy Jaha, Clark, and Bellamy road trip storyline. So let's God damn it, Jaha. FYI, but since uh, there is no separate storyline for Murphy and Emory, I just included all of my Murphy Emory memory points in Arcadia. I think that's fair. Like, I don't yeah, really think that Cave like, is a separate storyline. Yeah, if yeah. these little offshoot storylines converge into a a, a greater storyline, I just kind of we can just include them where we think they should go. So well, let's talk about Arcadia first. Um, basically, my takeaway from Arcadia is that night goes back and that's all I really need. That's and all you I care am, about. I am, I am done. I have a type, everybody, and it's it's bears, gay bears. And not saying that Nyko is gay, not that there's anything wrong with that, but... Oh, but I wouldn't he and Rowan make, like, a great couple? Oh, my God. Uh, like, that was something that you didn't even realize that you wanted. And now... Now you no, do. I don't see it. I'll be in my bunk. <laughs> Sean, he doesn't see it. Thanks for weighing in on that ship. Nyko and Rona. <sighs> Bad oh ship. Moving on. <laughs> Shaheen, the person who does not ship is still the arbiter of valid ships. <laughs> Bad ship. Bad ship. Don't like care if, for if, it. If I don't even recognize it as a ship... <laughs> then, then it does you, not count. You know, that's not, there is no hope for that. <laughs> you know, at this point, we're wasting like, everybody's I'm, time. We're going to have to like hit up Claire and see if she can write, write a little something, something about some, some Nyko. Cause you know, Abby's Dr. Dirty Hands is out of polis. Like what if, what if Rowan's wound opens up a little or he needs to, you know, have some physical rehab or, you know, someone to give him sponge baths. Like, you know, Echo's not in on that. Like, I feel like, you know, this is, this is Nyko's moment. Could be. I'm just saying. Um, yeah, Anywho. Let's get, yeah, let's get back to the actual story rather than my head cannon. Uh, 
so I think we had some pretty interesting stuff going on. I see some convergence in our our notes and our run sheet. So let's talk about um, let's talk about Raven and, and Abby since we all kind of uh, and the dilemmas that both of them face. So mm-hmm. uh, I uh, I was a little annoyed with Abby. Uh, I, and I don't like being annoyed at Abby because I'm a huge Abby fan, but I felt she was a little harsh with Raven when she's like, well, if you don't give me this medicine, you're responsible for this little girl's death. I'm like, mm, is she though? I don't know. What do you guys uh, think? I mean, uh, so like Abby is in a very like difficult position, um, because A, she's a doctor, but B, she has been in leadership positions where she has been in charge of, um... Uh, you know, other people's lives and whether or not they get to live or die, which I think is an incredible um, conflict for a doctor, you know, do no harm. Um, Whereas, and I think now she's kind of been like, all right, you know, I'm not in charge anymore. So I am 100% doctoring. And so I will try to save every life. Like she is, she is the adult Bellamy right now, you know, who can we save today? Um, and I think that that was kind of, you know, if she is Bellamy, then obviously Raven is Clark in in this situation. And for all the shit that she gives Clark, I think that this episode really kind of at least opened her eyes to the possibility that, like, being Clark kind of sucks. Maybe you should, yeah. you know, be a little bit more um, understanding because, you know, if you're going to say we have to save all this medicine, that's a perfectly reasonable thing for her to say. It's a perfectly reasonable thing for a leader to decide to do. But then that means then you have made that decision. And you have to own it. Um, You know, and I think that that was kind of a little bit of a a lesson for Raven. I think it was a necessary lesson. Oh, for sure. Do you guys think, like, Raven now has the perspective of what it's been like for Bellamy and Clark to kind of make those split-second decisions that affect who might get saved and who might not get saved? I think I think like she at least has a far greater understanding of it and it you definitely I think Lindsay Morgan did great work when you know she's kind of alone well she thinks she's alone but Murphy is there watching uh you know and she kind of has a little bit of a cry about it and being like this is you know obviously she doesn't want some little girl to die like Raven's not heartless um but she's already had to accept the fact that Bellamy's decision and again we're just going to call it Bellamy's decision um you know cost reduce the number of people that she could probably save down to a hundred um if you know if nothing else comes up and so it just i wonder about her sort of like frustration of these external factors being like you know i'm trying to save everyone and everything that keeps happening is just making it so i can save fewer and fewer people yeah well isn't it isn't this choice the same choice that bellamy faced yeah and she was pissed when bellamy made that decision too yeah, I mean, in this case, basically, Abby is facing the same choice as Bellamy, right? Save one person now, or however many, you know, a few people now, who are suffering and need your help, or, um, and you know, save a few people now and sacrifice a bunch of people uh, down the line, or, you know, be indifferent to the people who need help now and think of the big picture um and abby makes the same choice as bellamy right yeah she decides to save the few now she's at least a little bit more pragmatic about it in terms of um 
you know, she's, okay, fine, we'll give it to one person and see what happens, as opposed to, like, distributing all of the anti-radiation medicine that they have. So, I mean, at least she, like, kind of was a little bit more rational about that, so they only lost one dose. Um, I, I guess that's something, though I don't think that Bellamy could have just been, like, to the to the slave owners, you know, hey, can can we just have Riley? Do you mind? Like, can we just, can we just have this one dude? Um, so, you know, I don't think that he had and, the same yeah, option. And, and the slave owners would have been like, you get the other 24, we keep Riley. Right, of course, because yeah. Riley. Duh. Riley, yeah, it's the, we're in the Riley-verse now, guys. Um, this is the new reality. Yeah. Um, so do you guys agree that this is the same choice? It's it's very much the same choice. Um, I think I think Bellamy would have. I think Bellamy would have come down on Abby's side, but if it was just up to Bellamy, I think he would have distributed all the medicine that he could. Um, I think I think Clark probably would have had Raven's initial reaction because I think she's a little because the, the factors were leaning towards the odds of not really being good that the medicine would help because of the, the, the length of um, time between exposure and when the medicine would be administered. But I think maybe she would have gone, okay, let's try one kind of like Abby was. Um, So I think, I, I think this was a good way for Raven to, to get her feet wet in the leadership sucks arena that both Bellamy and especially Clark have been experiencing now for, for quite a long time. It's, it's not as easy as Raven, I think kind of flippantly makes it seem when she, when she gets snarky with, with both Bellamy and Clark. So maybe she'll not be throwing shade at Clark as much because she's, she's gone for us. She's, she's gone for sweeping the leg several times now with Clark. And it's been like, well, you haven't had to make this decision that Clark has had to make. So until you walk a mile in her lever-pulling shoes, don't get all uppity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So we've got, we've got Murphy um, injected into this whole situation as well. Um, Shaheen, you think he wants, he's back to being his asshole-ish self? Yeah. I mean, he's back to being Murphy. I mean, even when he it looked like he was helping Luna's daughter or whoever that girl is. Yeah, I think um, she's just a girl, rando. Um, even when we thought that's you know he he brought the medicine and we were like, oh yeah, that's what his his dad did. That's what his dad got floated for. Uh, it all turned out to be, I mean, at least partially, because uh, he was quote working on Abby. Yeah. You know so. Yeah, he is just being um, looking out for himself and Emory at this point. But didn't point. we kind of like the moment where Abby like was basically like, you know, I had, you know, I of course I knew he had it in him. Like the moment where you know she is someone who has kind of overtly stated that you know she has faith in who in the goodness of of Murphy, um, yeah. which I thought I, I thought it was a nice moment. Um, because not a lot of people are ever on Murphy's side. And she to- totally has the, like, you know, mom vision of, you know, she can see the good in, in all of these little babies. Yeah. Yeah. So I think um, I th- I think in this situation that Murphy has to earn that faith that Abby has in him. I agree with Shaheen that 
a bit of the assholes back. I think he's being very uh, pragmatic. The snark at Miller, like the the little like flirt snark with Miller, was was a highlight for me. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, he came to steal food. Yeah. Even after he realized it's it's rationed food for people to survive, he's he was still gonna steal it. Um, and you know. Yeah. Then the whole thing with the medicine was just was partially a show. So yeah, I mean, I think it was I think it was partially a show, but I think how the the show obscures it a little bit and and makes he, makes us a little uncertain as to what his his exact motives are is that he he did some great face work during that scene yeah. where everyone's watching that little girl die in Luna's arms, and it was he like he genuinely. Was, Impacted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was generally uh, affected by that. So I think, I think Murphy could go either way. He could go back to full blown asshole, but I don't. I don't really foresee that happening. I, I think that would be. Um, I, I think that would be a disservice to the character growth that he's shown. And I'm just, well, I'm just wondering what what's going to happen in the future. I think I think he's going to make good. He's going to make a sacrifice for somebody other than himself or Amori. But but we also have to remember that he is the cockroach, and so while you know he is having this character growth and being less of a shithead, um, he's also watching what's to come and sort of weighing his options of, well, these people clearly, after you know being exposed, it's not going to go mm-hmm. well for them. So we should probably throw our lot in with you know not being alone out you know out living in a cave together eating non-existent bugs. Um, so, you know, like on the one hand, yes, it, you know, Murphy's mm-hmm. heart grew three sizes that day, but we also have to remember that Murphy is a survivor. And so, you know, he's watching the whole time being like, well, you know, I guess the best option is to, to join back with, with, with Arcadia. Yeah, that's true. So Jen, now that you, since you disagree with Bellamy's decision, do you now disagree with Abby? Um. About saving that little girl? Yes. All right. I think I think the like. Well, Jen I mean, I. <laughs> is Jen, Jen is a child killer. Is, um, Jen is on record as being cool with saying kid murder. Uh, advocating the the death of a child. Slow, painful no, no, death. All right, defend your position. <laughs> defend no, just defend your position. <laughs> it's too late. All you can do is laugh at this little girl's pain. So, you know, guess who's the terrible person on the podcast this week? I can talk as much as I want to about eugenics now. This is worse than Jewish Nazi. This is seriously like it goes Jewish Nazi (laughs) and then Jen. Wait, where the fuck are you in this? Oh, I'm the impartialist. The impartialist. Shaheen is the Greek chorus of, of our podcast. He's, he's the great fence. What's the worst thing universe. I've defended on this podcast? <clears throat> apart from the City of Light. I mean, you could go apart from the City of Light, and I feel like that's a pretty big fucking caveat, but... <laughs> it's not Jewish Nazi, though. I mean, come it's on. City of Light, Jewish Nazi, and then Baby Killer. All right. Hey, you know, <laughs> Joe what? Mangala? Joe Mangala. It works. All right, so let us move on. Um, 
Oh, you were gonna uh, are, explain or not? I am not gonna defend my baby killing ways, okay? <laughs> no, no, no. I <laughs> seriously though, I I don't think this is an obvious choice. So yeah, like why not? Why are we saving the the baby? Um, I don't. I I agree. I like last time I said I think overall I think I disagree with with Bellamy. So I think yeah, I have to disagree with Abby now. I, I don't oh think God, so. We're on the same I, side I again. I think that they are that they are similar. They are very like very similar, and in some ways you could argue quote unquote the same decision as in who can we save now versus who can we save later. But the fact is that it was there are still more radiation pills. There is not another hydro generator. Like there, there's a handful of pills. They tried out a proof of concept experiment and it failed, but they didn't go, oh, well, maybe it just didn't work for her. Let's use up the rest of the radiation medicine on everyone. Like it's a very similar decision, but I think that there's like just enough differences that you can be, that you can disagree with Bellamy's decision, but agree or understand Abby's decision. Yeah. The other thing is the the whole variable. Quantitative differences though, right? Yeah, like, what is the yeah. probability that those radiation pills would have worked? Like, is there math, is there, like, a math equation that you can go, okay, so there are how many hours past the point of exposure? And on a scale of 1 to 10, how bad are they? And is there, like, an equation in there that says, okay, they're, you know, 48 hours past the point of exposure. They're at a, a 7 out of 10, 10 being dead. The the probability that these pills will reverse this condition is less than five percent. So if you if you could do the math that way, you'd be like, and I don't want to reduce life down to math because that will be used against me. But I, I think when you have this larger consideration of what's best for the the group moving forward and for survival of uh, ostensibly what will be the only hundred people left on Earth to repopulate it, you got to go not not worth that less than five percent probability. Um, so if that makes me a bad person, so be it. But again, I'm not in that position. None of us are in that position making those decisions at all, ever. Like my biggest decision of, of my day is do I, do I roll out of bed, take a shower and go in the office today? Or do I work from home? And guess what? I usually roll out of the office an hour late and work from home. So (laughs) that's the extent of, of how complex my decision making gets, um, (laughs) I, I see we've got some things on here about Clark's list. Let's leave that to the end of because that's let's kind leave of a that big to one. when we yeah let's leave that to when we we talk about the the weird road trip because I think it just naturally fits onto the end of that. Okay. Um, let's also talk Luna's back, everybody. Luna's hey, back. Yay! Luna. So are her and Nico doing it, or are they are are grounders polyamorous? Is Nico okay, just so, a sensitive flower because he is a big gay bear? Like okay, what? so so let me let me break this down for you, Joe. Because yeah, can you head explain this a, to me? A man who uh-huh. is comforting a woman who uh-huh. is who is experiencing somebody else who she deeply loves dying in her arms that. Being tender and and nice in that moment does not mean it's a sexual relationship. It what? is one human being. You are you are so heteronormative. <laughs> You're the, like the most heteronormative gay person ever. Um, I know, learned that from watching Nazi all gay. of this TV. It's it's always like the we're most heteronormative in the Nazi Jewish gay. 
gotta man. put that on a my business card is getting card. longer and longer. <laughs> it's like double oxymoron. So but. I'm happy. I'm happy to see Luna. Um, my fear, uh, like last week, was that Luna was going to be short lived. Uh, she'd be in a couple episodes and then they'd kill her off because that's just what the show does, especially with guest stars. But it. I know that she's around, I think, for a big big set piece coming up in episode nine. Yeah. Uh, which leads, I think it's going to be a huge battle or something. We're going we're gonna to see Luna being a badass. So happy I'm to see Luna it. back. Um, I, see on your, I see on your notes, Shaheen, is, is she all that's left of... Uh, of yeah, she said that, is, that's, is that this is all that's, that's left of my people. Save them. Yeah. And I'm like, what does that mean? We still it's, don't know if that's all a flu crew. Or... I don't think it's not. No, I didn't. We determine a couple just... podcasts back that sh- that it's, it was not float on crew. I don't it's, think it's just the people determined. on her rig. But she said that what they yeah. left with like forty people, and now. But even people on her rig were like a few hundred people, right? I mean, maybe maybe a bunch of them died like before 50? they were like, "Oh, we should probably see what the fuck Sky Crew has to say about this." Yeah, yeah like the, the people. A, well, actually. Yeah. It, yeah. So I don't. I don't. Th- I think we determined, and I think a couple redditors backed us up that th- we don't think that this is float on crew because she was an offshoot. She was like a little rebel group. She wanted nothing yeah. to do with the commandership. So it's I would like, assume it's she It's a lot of want- people who all of a sudden are announced dead. <laughs> yeah. Just well, like that just throw away that- remarks. Just like yeah, just throwing that in there, and you know, two hundred people also died. Yeah, she's like, yeah, so that's because we didn't want to hire all those extras. We just, budget, we just budget wanted about, yeah, just wanted less than eight, um, and and we we uh, achieved that. So, okay, quick question: So, remember when like everyone like died in Med Lab, and then um, and then that's when they're like, oh shit, Luna's healing. Like, let's you know deal with Luna. And I know you have your well actually later about about the whole Nightblood thing, but there was uh-huh. just like. A pile, like, just every single gurney was wrapped, like, just dead bodies wrapped in aluminum foil, like, fucking baked potatoes. Like, why, first of all, like, why did we need to, like, wrap them? Like, why not just take the the thermal blanket away and move the bodies out of there as opposed to being like, well, they died. I'm not just going to cover their face. I'm going to tightly, snugly swaddle them. Well, that, I guess that's a scientific question. So, if you have acute radiation sickness, do you emit radiation? You, even like at a low, like a low, um, uh, I don't, I don't know, radiation level, and it could be potentially dangerous. Like if you get your, if you get your like ovaries or your testicles near, like oh, radiation just killed all my sperm. Yeah, is everyone sterile? Like, how are they going to assume that they get to repopulate? when the radiation is, is going up, like, is everyone just going to have, like, duck babies that they have to bury out in the backyard? <laughs> like, the use of the word radiation in this context is so completely <laughs> different from anything. From science? That Yeah, so I don't <laughs> even know how these questions science? are. By what metric we're judging any answers to these questions. So yeah. we just have to gonna go with... What we have. I'm gonna hand I do have it. a question though. I, I do have like there was one thing about this episode that um they made it look like it was a huge moment, but I feel like we already knew that, right? Or I I was already convinced. 
that Nightblood was uh, in part uh, something that made you immune to radiation, right? Yeah, One of the, at least some radiation, like then. a high degree. Like Luna is because clearly... when Becca, I mean, the whole point of Becca inventing the Nightblood was was apparently twofold, right? One is that it helps you um, establish the symbiotic relationship with the flame. To you know, it makes yeah. your body not reject the flame. And also, we saw how when she comes down to Earth, uh, her suit is saying, you know. Uh, radiation is way high but yeah. she takes off her hood or whatever her mask and she's fine so uh, that i was i always knew that then that's what the night blood does and in this episode it was they made it look like it was a big deal yeah can i well actually now on that then sure okay Okay, so the, the, you're right shaheen that the night blood the night blood i think was originally developed that serum was originally developed by Becca because the flame itself emits radiation, a low level of radiation. And I think the byproduct of the serum is that she can withstand medium levels of radiation. So that's how she was able to survive on Earth. Um, now, guys, You said remember, the flame emits radiation? I- I've read that online. Uh, I don't know if that's, if that's an assumption, if that's hearsay, or if that was something well, that okay. was communicated by, by Jason Rothenberg or one of the other writers. Um, but, be, huh, I think that's an interesting discussion because I don't think Becca ever we planned how, on going down to Earth. We don't know how long that was she her, survived like, when she well, got down the, to Earth. Is the, the other, other thing, thing is, though, I, I'd have to go back and watch, but I don't think she ever planned to have to do an emergency eject down to Earth. I don't think she expected the Polaris... Um, station to be blown out of the sky. Well, that's that's for another discussion. Um, so you guys well, remember? No, she was she was planning to use uh, ever since they said um, we want uh, we're going to terminate the project. She said the flame is the only thing that's going to save us, L- mm-hmm. or Ali two is the only thing that's going to save us. And so she was. I take it from that moment on, she was planning on going down earth because she yeah, knew no I know. one else i, I disagree i think that the flame is going to save us and then then it turned out that she like i think that she would have wanted to put the flame into people on the sky uh you know in the spaceship uh, right but then they said they they're not going to let her do that so right so then her uh, then only choice was to, to go, go down. down to earth yeah, yeah. That, so then yeah. that's when she started working on the night blood and then you know it took i don't know how many like two months they said, or something. I thought it was years. I'd have to go back and watch that for the the exact timeline. But but you know, I think it was let's, a, let's, like two, two years. Let's, yeah, let's leave it. Let's let's leave that um, yeah. detail. Anyway, and, and so now that we're we know that Nightblood is going to be their uh, weapon against the radiation. <laughs> we think. Um, right. Another how... another sad sad path to walk down <laughs> where we're all going to be disappointed. <laughs> Yeah, so do we think this is going to go in the toilet? Just well, like the other plants? <laughs> I think okay, so. so I, sorry. I, I, so I asked this Or do question. you think they're going to just, you know, you know, assembly line night blood and just pour it out? <laughs> pour one out for my homies. Um, yeah. Make, make I people think, drink it? 
I think if just it, like cocaine. if if Abby can figure out how to reverse engineer the whole thing, like let's just say that be giving people the the serum becomes a viable option. I don't think that it means that you can survive any radiation. I don't think that the night blood will be the thing that can save them from this crazy amount of radiation that's about to come at them. I think what it does is it gives you just a little bit of extra help. So Luna was just as bad as everyone when they came in, but they hadn't been exposed to enough to like send Luna's ability to fend it off over the tipping point. So what it'll do, I think, is for the people, if it does become a thing that that Abby is able to synthesize, that she, you know, everybody gets injected with it and that will just give them like an extra, you know, coat of armor uh, against the the increased radiation. Now, but they can't be like exposed to the, you know, yeah, the giant I, wave that's coming at them. Like that I don't, I, I, I definitely don't think it's going to be the silver bullet uh, that's going to make living outside survivable in any way, shape or form. They still are facing, I think, a huge issue with the, the finding a place for everybody to ride out the storm, so to speak. And having Nightblood will be good, but it's, it's not going to save everybody. You can't just like go out, get massive doses of radiation and expect Nightblood to, like you said, Joe, get you back across a tipping point. Um, so I, I, I hope they don't go with, I hope they don't go in the direction that it is a silver bullet because that would be a huge plot hole. Cause then I'd be like, well, how did Luna get sick in the first place? Um, if Nightblood is supposed to protect her, it, it makes no sense. Yeah, I mean, that question's already <laughs> a good question at this point, yeah. And and, and let me just in, interject my will actually here. So you guys remember that Raven read Becca's journal. And right. my assumption would be that most of Becca's research and her findings would be contained within that journal. So why didn't Raven put two and two together, knowing that that Luna is a Nightblood, and, and knowing kind of what the serum did how did she not go like oh guys maybe luna's night blood will afford her some protection she why is it is like too busy thinking about how many children she can kill um <laughs> well i i well, you know, know i understand that, that because the, i spent a lot journal. of my time doing that too i i think i think it was in the journal because i think i remember seeing like maybe pictures of serum vials or something. I'm just assuming it was in the journal. Like, well, why I mean, wouldn't like you I said, the Nightblood has two you know functions. So um, it, it probably just said that the Nightblood makes you compatible with the with Alley 2.0 and didn't go into the, you know, it could be that that was just... Bonus that side effect? Like her, well, that's, that that's a like huge... It was her uh, programming journal. That, it was like yeah, the, but, but the thing is, that's a huge... That's a huge omission to like kind of not mention like, oh, by the way, that whole bad nuclear radiation thing. Well, then the serum helps against that, too. <laughs> Should probably mention that. So let's let's move on quickly to um, uh, Polis real quick. Um, you know, I, I don't think we have a shit ton to talk about here with Polis. Uh, I do believe, obviously, that I think the two biggest uh, takeaways from Polis are that Roan is irresponsible as fuck, and oh my god, Indra has a daughter. You guys, <laughs> what? Like, I my my next question, like, who does Indra get with? Um, like, who who is Who's her, her baby daddy? Yeah, you're is it Nico? This is my question. <laughs> I mean, at this point. 
I would say that Nyko is everybody's type. I know that Shaheen pretty much rejects that idea, but I don't care. I, it feels right to me. <laughs> um, that's a good question. If I wonder if we will ever find out who the baby daddy is. I think um, I think Gaia introduces a a an interesting aspect of the story because it it's almost it's a little bit parallel the whole cult leader thing yeah. and cults and believers. Jaha. Yeah, um, you know, Gaia is a true believer in the flame, in, in, and so much so that she kind of shirks her responsibility as, as the, I, I, I guess, ostensibly the next in line to take over Indra's leadership of Tree Crew, um, and be of, the warrior that Indra wanted want- her to do the James Vanderbeek "I don't want your life" um, like speech at her mom um, from Varsity Blues. Like that's. Is this a 90s movie? God damn it. Probably. We're back to the 90s movie references, everybody. So do we think that Gaia's going to go after... uh, (laughs) Go ahead. Do do we think Gaia's going to go after um, Luna? Well, I guess the... I guess the question is... I, I guess the assumption would be that Luna's shirking of her responsibility... And basically, fleeing from the conclave is well known, and that it, the the question will be: it, Does Gaia think that Luna is a worthy um, vessel for the flame? Yeah. Right. But, I mean, so is there a choice? She's, like, regardless, she's going to look for some nightblood, right? I guess that was even implied yeah, in what Indra said, right? Yeah, so, and I had read that there would be Nightblood Scouts this season, and I'm assuming that she's the main one. Um, so I- I'm guessing that Gaia will go after, will go after Luna if she's, especially if she doesn't know of any other Nightbloods, um, which I-, I don't, I don't know if they would, it doesn't make sense to me that they would introduce more Nightbloods into the, into the mix since Luna's already there and already, you know, we've got a rich, not a rich history, but we have a history with her, and I want to see I want to see that struggle again for Luna, because like, does Luna still go? I don't want any. Res- I don't want to be the commander. I don't want to be that person. Does she still say that even with Asgeta ruling everything, and with the with all the clans needing to be united under one ruler now more than ever? I don't. I don't think that she does. I think she might step up to the plate and take the take the flame. I still don't understand um, the point though. Like, and what would Rowan do about that? Like, I feel like he is not inclined to give up power. Like, I feel like Asgeta kind of doesn't give two shits about the the commander line. I think, um, I thought Rowan was always pretty, uh... Sorry, not Rowan. Echo and her and her generals. Oh, her yeah, her her uh, her war chiefs or whatever. I think I think Rowan would fall in line because he seemed to he seems to have a lot of the same desires and philosophies that Lexa did about uniting the clans and, and peace and not going to war. And I think that 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 pretends hopefully that he would want to cooperate and work with the next commander. Um. I, I think that that could cause huge problems. I think Asgeta will view that as weak. Um, he's. An, I think a lot of people view him as an illegitimate king that has lost touch with his people since he's been ostr- he was ostracized. 
So I think we're going to get a lot, an interesting, um, there is a I mean, potential here. The other for... thing is now the Trishana crew now doesn't accept the flame dynasty either, apparently, or at least there's the faction, uh, this faction of them, the looters yeah. uh, that don't accept that. So now there is a whole bunch of people who uh, just equate the flame um, with tech and with Ali, and they just think it's all part of the same thing, which is not wrong. Yeah, it's not wrong. You know, How so they know I, I think this tech? was a very interesting concept. This whole idea of the looters, and one of the things that we were kind of wondering if that would happen uh, this season, if they would just be like, "All right, after all this chip madness, we're just gonna get rid of all the chips, including Ali 2.0." Uh, and it looks like, yeah, there is one faction of people who thinks that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know they're also they're very militant and, and uh, aggressive too. So that was very interesting. So they're not going to be happy regardless. But, um, but but here's my question: Like, how do we? How do? How much does the average grounder know about what the flame is and like the the way that it like gets implanted or anything like that? Because it seems like. Uh, like when Titus removed the flame from Lexa, like it was this very like small religious ceremony. Like he's the flame keeper. Um, at least we have, at least we now know that there are other flame keepers. Like thank God that they like, you know, moved on that. But anyway, like it seemed like a very small ceremony, something that like very few people have knowledge of. And so uh-huh. how do other, the other like clans sort of, understand like because when they were they were asking Antari like you know for the names of the previous commanders and stuff like that like it's sort of this like magical it it almost seems like they would view it as as sort of magic um versus technology um and so at what point were they like oh the flame is tech we have to destroy it um well I guess so like how much do they know that's a good that's a good question and we also have to ask about our own assumptions regarding their beliefs and spirituality, because we're viewing it as I think in line with what we would think standard religion and is, which lands in the realm of mysticism and faith and belief in things that don't necessarily exist versus can you have a religion based around technology and is this just something that that is a disconnect right now that the show hasn't presented us that this is kind of a new form of religion that is actually based in something i'm i'm leaning on the side that these these guys are just as as religious wacky as everybody else who who believes in is in um uh things you can't see or prove so i i don't I don't know what happens here, Joe. I don't know why they think the flame is tech. I I mean, it is. I, I don't but even like. like what, how do they even know what the flame is? Looks like that's a thing. Like yeah, it seems I mean, like it's this very private thing that only a flame keeper holds on to with their dear life until it can be implanted yeah. into another commander. It seems very private, very small ceremony. So how the fuck do they even know what a flame looks like? Yeah, I don't. This is gonna be hand wavy thing. Okay. Me. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's the fucking shroud of Turin over here. Yeah, um, I think uh, I I am really digging what they're doing with Octavia. I um, love that we're that we're slowly in each episode. Like, I feel like maybe Jaha has to be next in line to give the oh fuck 
look about Octavia. <laughs> like all the adults are just when, when Abby and Clark came into the room and Octavia had like killed six guards, Abby was like, uh oh. And then when, you know, it was announced that one of the ambassadors is dead, suspiciously, possibly, and Kane was like, fuck. And then, you know, Indra's Indra's not quite pleased either. Um, I'm enjoying that all of the team adults are like, oh shit, she's super fucking murdery. <laughs> But I, I really I, I like now that they've kind of introduced this dynamic between Indra, Gaia and Octavia, you know, the the kind of surrogate daughter that that foster Indra kid. has been troubled. Yeah, fo- that she's, Octavia's the troubled foster child. Yeah. And, uh, uh, you know, Indra has been kind of um, grooming to be a warrior and is now kind of kind of going a little bit off book, <laughs> so to speak. <laughs> Um, and then we've got Indra's real daughter, who she basically, you know, I guess wrote her out of her will since she decided to go off and, and um, follow the Grateful Dead around instead of going off to college. So, you know, I, I think this is going to introduce a, a very cool dynamic. I loved when um, when Octavia and Gaia first started fighting in the in Titus's sex dungeon. That guy's like, oh, I know this technique well. I'm like, <laughs> what is going on here? Oh, I just thought that was a really cool moment where um, she basically recognizes the fighting style of her mom well, when uh, Octavia is uh, was sparring with her. So, so who? I mean, obviously, like because we already have you know our maximum number of gays that we can actually have on any given TV show. <laughs> Jesus like, Christ! Gaia and Octavia are probably not going to hook up, but there was a look. There was totally a look, and then there was obviously a look between Octavia and and Ilian or whatever. So that's obviously where it's going to well, go. That's, that's where it's where it's that's gonna where go, it's going to yeah. go. But that said, like, uh, you know, there's there's I'm not going to say that there's that there's not fan fiction actively being written about Gaia and Octavia. Look, <laughs> if there's if there, there if there are two or more people <laughs> who have a pulse on this show, I guarantee Some, they are fucking somewhere on the Somebody's internet. fucking somewhere. There's smut, smut, smut all over the place. Like pick random, like I'm sure there's probably smut between that weird ass mutant we saw, we saw the beginning of season, season um, two and Gideon. Do you think that like <laughs> Murphy and Amori, like how do you think that her like lobster claw hand like comes into play? Shaheen, what are what are your thoughts? Oh, God. <laughs> like, as a, as a male um, perspective, is the claw like enough of a novelty for it to be like a sex thing, or is it like too icky? I mean, you know, it all depends on Murphy. your perspective. I mean, I don't know Murphy's size, so. <laughs> wait, wait, wait! Is what this does size have to it, do wait? With is anything? this is this for hand jobs? Like, yeah, like a regular non-mutated hand might just be enough for him, for all I know. Well, what if you're not into mutated hands touching your junk? I guess that's where I want your opinion here, Shaheen. Are, would Can you we be go into- back to Octavia, please? <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know how Murphy came into uh, Polis. Because, look, all you have to do is say smut anywhere within earshot of Joe, and the wheels start turning. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I'm like a windmill you know, of shame. Jewish anyway, Nazi gay person. <laughs> <Pervert>. <laughs> uh, you you have too many heterosexual fantasies. 
What? You have sus- suspiciously many. Suspicious. You're, you're calling my Suspiciously name. many, let's just put it that you way. You have too many questions about lobster claw hand jobs for this to just be a one-off sort <laughs> yeah. of thing. Oh, uh, Joe. Sorry. You, but you are not Octavia. the first person to, to wonder about it's this. It's not like I asked, like, so how is Nyko's belly going to work with Roan? Like, I don't get into the, all, all, all that Wait, detail, is he fat? You know. He's not, he's not fat. He's thick. Whatever. Mm. So I want to I wanna go back to Octavia. <laughs> Let's go back okay. to Octavia. God, so, such a trash pile joke. <laughs> oh, drinking Let's my just, wine. Can we acknowledge that she just made a huge decision? <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, yeah, the lie. Oh, my God. Horrible Like decision. So, I mean, she's going to let the flame go, which means some bullshit is going to be brewing on the side. Right. Potentially, right? So yeah. Gaia is going to, you know, start some some shit up somewhere and, you know, bring some night blood and claim that they have a new commander or something. And she's taking that risk. And then she's lying to the king, you know, and the king now has a totally different strategy because he thinks one thing is true when it's not. And so she made a big decision, potentially, you know, risking everyone's life. Apparently, we we're supposed to believe because you know, if the if the Rowan falls, the coalition falls. If the coalition falls, Sky Crew falls. If Sky Crew co- falls, everyone falls. So that's supposed to be. The is this of- is this supposed like? So here's the question though, because not like if we're if we're just going at, as these characters, this is a Blake making a decision on their own, and I feel like yeah. it could either go really this is well, like throwing like, away the radio. Yeah. Like it's, 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 is this going to be Octavia is not Bellamy and so something is going to work out well? Or is this, fuck, a Blake went off the reservation and everyone's going to die? I think it's already a Blake went off the reservation. Yeah, it's going to be a, a, uh, it's going to be a Blake uh, foible. You know, (laughs) just, there's going to be a book about the Blakes. Like, can we just not like put (laughs) these kids on a fucking leash? Like... You you try putting Octavia on a leash. You see you see her sword and I how mean, she sharpens well, you it. You take away the sword first, so she can't cut the leash. Like how hard is this? <laughs> like they have little monkey harnesses for small children in grocery stores. Like, <laughs> like I kind of just want Indra to just like yank on you know Octavia's little hyper kid harness and just you know no, just <laughs> spray her with a water bottle. Like bad Octavia. <laughs> and so now this huge decision that she made. Uh, <sighs> Do we agree that she made it for one reason? And that was because the person who was standing in the way of uh, getting the flame was related to someone she knew, right? I I think... Like so, she saved her because of Indra, otherwise she would have killed yes. her? Yes. Yeah, so otherwise it would, it would have been Gaia's head. Yeah, no, definitely. In front of yeah. Rome, right? You know, yeah. remember... Family first with the Blakes, always. Yeah. Yeah, so remember- it's partialism again. Right. Yeah. Well, we've, we've played with this idea of partialism and partialism. The Blakes have never podcast, been impartial. But we never actually talked about it seriously. Like, so one argument for partialism is that, like, imagine you have like a society of you know whatever, how many, however many people you want, like a thousand people, and each of them has like capacity to care for, has like ten units of care in them, <laughs> um, you know. <laughs> Um, how would you distribute this? Would you want each person to to, to care ten divided by a thousand, so it's like one one percent for everyone, 
or would you rather have each person care for say 10 people so they can give each person one unit of care and so you have groups of like 100 little groups of 10 instead of having everyone care for everyone right and you can make an argument that it's more efficient to have little groups of people caring for each other um rather than everyone caring for everyone i mean i think that's where raven is she is the one who is probably the least swayed by partialism at at present um you know whether or not that's mm-hmm. raven or whether or not that's leftover ally inside of her brain um and i think you that mean in the terms Blakes, of in, in terms of which she, she is very impartial um to the point where it almost seems callous um, uh-huh. versus you mean that she's 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 distributing her 10 units of care across a wide swath of people is that yeah. is that yeah. okay yeah okay, so she okay. she is imp- this- impartial versus you know yeah. the blakes who are very you know yeah, yeah Octavia so the- is like all right mentor's daughter not killing it others i'm going to put all my units of care into you yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i'm going to hug you now you will like it um yeah, the minute the minute you you started going into the math thing, I my brain just shut down. I had an aneurysm, so that's why I had to clarify. Because me and math, we don't we don't do good. Okay, um, so is basically like every mention of numbers is math. Pretty yeah, pretty pretty much pretty fucking much. Yeah, Jen's reading like the numbers, numbers, numbers I mentioned something. were were a thousand, ten, and one percent. You could be like, go to the store, Jen, and get a dozen eggs, and I'd be like, brain shutting down now. <laughs> <laughs> so here's a question for you: if, like, if it takes five done. minutes, if it takes five minutes to hard boil an egg, uh, how many minutes does it take to hard boil six eggs? It takes five minutes. Oh, okay. All right. I'm, so going back to, to Octavia, cook, I know how to cook. At least that. <laughs> um, I think it actually takes slightly more because. But Actually, mind. the correct answer is it depends on your pot. Does your pot contain, can it take six eggs? Well, How much yeah. THC is in your pot? I don't know. I don't know. How much We're do talk- you do what? What? She's, all right. She's- so, 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 so basically the point of this is that she is, she is very much a partialist. And, and I think- yeah, and like, this is an example where it seems like, so the argument for partialism was that it's more efficient. You have little groups of people caring for themselves more efficient than everyone caring for everyone. So, yeah. but I mean, then it seems like that's the clans. That's the twelve clans. Like obviously, mm-hmm. it's the system with ambassadors. Well, that's that's communities in general. That's yeah. culture in general, right? I mean, you know? family. Yeah, yeah. the basis of, you could justify family on this basis. But then it seems like partialism also makes people prone to making these kinds of um you know potentially very damaging decisions this is uh, true and i think it bears out know. too um in in our world as well yeah i feel like the more the more of a the more of an impartialist that you are the more you might care about society in general and doing what's like i don't know more ethical at times or more considered moral at times i don't know i don't know that's just my thought I don't know what I'm talking about. But well, then no, again, I mean, if you're, you know, in this situation, if you're an impartialist, you're the one who look who comes across as the callous one. Yeah, I guess. I guess it really does come down to the to what your opinion is on a certain situation. How 
how your perspective is applied and what the repercussions are. But I, I, think, uh, I think what it is, is the higher you get up in the chain of command, the uh-huh. more impartial you should be. Um, well, so so I guess and that's my- why we don't we always again going back to the issue of leaders. Uh-huh. Uh, I always say like we criticize our leaders, but um, you know they have to make these kinds of decisions. And like Joe is saying, they make the decision from a, an impartialist point of view that seems cruel to us. Mm-hmm. Well, they you should. Know? Whether or not they do is kind of a separate issue. Um, yeah. So I think I think in order to be in order to be and this is just my opinion, in order to be a good global citizen, you have to be a little bit of an impartialist and and empathetic towards things that don't affect you or your circle of care directly. You know, and that's that's really hard for people. And that's why we get that's why we get, you know, um, people who aren't affected by necessarily directly by civil rights, marching for civil rights, or marching for LGBT equality. Uh, you have to you have to think beyond your little circle of care and influence, even if these things don't affect me. Like your gay marriage doesn't affect me. I, I'm fucking you know, it, it invalidates your never, potential marriage. It's just it's ruining your marriage that you don't have yet. And ex- exactly. Yeah. Um, so it's already invalidated something that I, I don't want anyway. So fuck you, Joe, for your <laughs> fucking gay rights. Um, but no, I think I think you have to be in order to be a good person. You have to think a little bit outside of yourself in order to better everybody. We don't all we. Um, what, what is the saying? A, a rising tide lifts all ships. Yeah. Um, so we all kind of have to be rowing in the same direction. And that's really mixing metaphors right now. But we have to be all rowing in the same direction if we're going to progress as a society and make things like racism and sexism and homophobia and uh, Islamophobia and uh, anti-Semitism and all those icky things, if we're going to put them in the rear view a little bit more than they obviously are at this point in time. So I think that's... I think that's really interesting. Um, well, the that thing whole is, discussion. Like, uh, we talked about. Uh, I mean, these examples show this clearly. That the examples that show up uh, come up on this show. That partialism and impartialism um, can occur in multiple dimensions, right? So mm-hmm. one dimension is, for example, um, relationships or you know interpersonal relationships, like people you know versus people you don't know. Another example is, you know, people who are in front of you versus people you don't see, right? Um, another dimension of it is, you know, people right now versus people in the future. And you might be an impartialist in one dimension, but not necessarily in another, right? So you might not be, you might not always be consistent with your impartialism. I think that some people, uh, when it comes to, uh, these kinds of political issues that you're mentioning, a lot of times you see one side is impartialist in one regard, but not another, and mm. the other side is impartialist with one, in one regard rather than another. I feel like a lot of disagreements in society comes from come from um, looking at short term versus long term, looking at uh, people who are in your country versus people who are not, you know. Um, because every policy that you make will either uh, will have some sort of um, effect on 
um, both sides. It will have some sort of um, double sword nature or, you know, winners and losers. So uh, ultimately you have to look at, you know, who you're partial towards or how much impartial do you want to be? Like if you want to trade with other countries, that makes them richer, but that might make your country a little poorer, um, you know, but they need it more. They need the money more. So are you going to do that? You know, um, that's one question that one party might say, no, we shouldn't do that. We should take care of our people. Um, and then the other party might say otherwise. And then when it comes to another thing like immigration, you can say, well, you know, it helps them or it helps us or it, you know, makes us unsafe. And then one side says, well, no, we should take care of our people. The other side says we should take care of everyone. I don't think anyone is necessarily consistent in their partialism or impartialism. Yeah. No, I think you're very, very right in that aspect. And, you know, I think you're right that that's where the problem comes in is the inconsistency of how we apply certain things because our, I think our greed and our fear starts to shove aside some of what should be our, our impartialism or partialism and, and takes over from there. So I think this is a good discussion. You, do you guys have anything else you want to discuss in regards to polls? Because then we can, uh, uh, we can take a quick break and then move on to the, uh, the 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 crazy road trip. Why didn't Roan just keep the flame on his person? Damn, it, Joe! What? Now you took away my will. Actually, oh, sorry, 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 guys. Do you guys <laughs> forget? Guys, forget. You just heard that. Forget everything um, I've said. I've already forgotten. I'm gonna drink more of this wine. Okay, so guys, we're gonna take a quick break and then we'll be back in a few seconds. Let's get back into it, guys. We're going to be talking about um, the creepy cult bunker and the little Yay. road trip that um, Jahab, Clark, and Bellamy take out there. I love that when they do a road trip with, like, Jasper and the Adventure Squad, like, they get to listen to music, and Jaha's like, I brought snacks, and also the iPad is full of, like, dark bullshit. Here. <laughs> here, watch this. I watch this video. Like, it's the worst when your friend is like, here, watch this long-ass creepy bullshit on an iPad. Like, no. Just... No, it's like, it's like, it's like your friend going, bringing their, their phone and plugging it into your stereo and going, hey, do you want to just listen to nothing but jam band music the whole time? Here, I love improvisational jazz. Um, it's this really <laughs> obscure album. It was a live recording out of, like you know, some deep underground club in like Reykjavik or something. And, uh, you know, you're going to love it. <coughs> yeah. So turns out, uh, turns out we don't love it. Yeah. So this is, this is our first introduction into this weird ass doomsday cult called second dawn. And I swear, I think, I think, um, I think Jaha uses it as, as spank material because he's way. Too, I think he's into it. Well, I think he's so way into it. Did, did you guys research the the term Second Dawn at all? It was no. an well, it's an Arthur C. Clarke short story um, from a collection of short stories about like uh, expedition. I think the collection was called Expeditions to Earth. Um, and the short story has to do with these two different intelligent. Um, like beings on a planet uh and like but they don't have hands um and <laughs> and like one of the intelligent beings like kind of still figures out how to like build and make things in order to like get off the planet or something i didn't actually read i read like a summary of it but i'm just saying uh 
I don't think that the title uh, of their doomsday cult is an accident, is what I'm saying. But it's also two words that go really well together for a post-apocalyptic cult. So I'm not going to read anything. <laughs> so into twofer it. is what you're saying. Yeah, I'm not reading anything into it really, um, especially since what you're talking about doesn't seem to have much of a connection. Uh, I mean, I like two groups of people like coming together and realizing that like one of them has a way to save the others. Yeah, but what does that have to do with a cult that is one group of people who are wacky doodles? Well, but what does it have to do with the current situation? Yeah, so, like, the prophecy is what's happening now. Is that the idea? So this is the the second dawn, basically. So, so... Where the the first group of people who is supposedly this cult survived, and now they're going to come to save our people, the people that we are following... Either that or it has to do with the Sky Crew and the Grounders. Like, if we're talking, you know, prophetically or whatever, that Sky Crew is, <laughs> Sky Crew is the alien creatures with hands um, that will, you know, s- save save both of their races. Um, I don't know. Like, I, I should probably actually just yeah, read the, the fucking um, short story. The other question is, what what's up with the horsemen? What Who are the horsemen? Is that... Because it sounded like he was saying this... Bill character was saying that um, the horsemen, when they come, that's when the apocalypse comes, basically, right? Yeah, Uh, I mean, that's... that's... seemed like the horsemen symbolized or... um, Did Allie escape her internet confines riding on a horse while playing the Oregon Trail? Like, that (laughs) was how she got out, was... Is the horse... is? Becca Horseman? I yeah, like I and also how the fuck did Ali get out? This is Because this is he was saying we're... technology is turning against us, uh government is turning against us, religion is turning against us. So what's interesting is uh this was something that was also implied in um this full version of Clark's uh, monologue at the beginning of um the episode in season one. Where they talk about how even before Ali launched the bombs, uh, the world was in a really shitty situation where everyone felt like it's about to end. Um, <laughs> so, you mean 2017? <laughs> yeah, I was like, I was gonna say this doesn't feel unfamiliar. You know, this this feels frighteningly familiar. So um, every, all yeah, of this so got a ship like, gibbon at the at the helm. All of this right will now. happen again. Well, so so quick yeah. question. Well, not quick question, but discussion point. Uh, Capital Chick has been sort of stirring the pot of this idea that uh, someone from the Doomsday Cult was actually involved in Allie's, um, you know, creation, uh, whether, you know, and that one of them was actually who yeah. let Allie out. Yeah. Lighthouse so- Larry. <laughs> so Lighthouse I Larry, what's his name? Not to be confused with Leisure Suit Larry, I guess. Chris. Um, his name is Chris. Okay, Lighthouse Cry- Larry. Crying Chris. ass Chris. So I think what I think I think what's kind of weird when I think doomsday cult I think of fringe crazy ass people um who aren't exactly giving ted like talks on the internet um that are recorded for posterity's sake and have millions of dollars at their disposal um well unless we're talking about something that rhymes with schmientology um, I don't, I don't want them to come after us. Um, 
but I just think it's really interesting. I think like the, this is a cult with means to spread their word and to maybe buy influence or use their money in things other than building a bunker. So I think like what, like one of the theories, I think it might be capital chick. Like what if uh, Cadigan was an investor in um, Polaris, which is Becca's company. And mm-hmm. what if he knew Becca or what if he knew Allie existed and he was the one that let her out from her confines uh-huh. basically to, to bring about what he had prophesied. Um, because if you're a cult leader, if you can kind of like nudge things towards the apocalypse, uh, to prove you're, you're on that you're right. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. I told you guys the apocalypse. And that would be a happen. great way to sort of, uh, subvert our expectations again and sort of change the story or reveal another piece of information that completely changes or shifts the blame, um, from what, you know? And so, yeah, yeah that would be cool. Another theory that I was thinking about or, you know, and some stuff that I read on Reddit, um, you know, it could be that the Second Dawn fanatics are somehow related or are equal to the first Not Blida, uh, those people that came out of nowhere um, when Becca came down. So, um, you know, it could be that these are the people who survived and when Becca came down, they became the first Nightbloods. Um, so... Well- that would then I'm sorry it was said that they were extreme preppers by Jason he called them extreme preppers so very well could be that they they survived yeah but yeah and and so sorry go ahead and then in that case it would seem that their bunker would be somewhere under polis um so and this would then relate to the nightblood story because they're looking for nightblood so they will probably want to take a look in that bunker and see if there's more night blood there or what. Um, I, I but, also think that there's an issue where, you know, it was, they found someone with an 11th seal who didn't get in uh-huh. or, and, you know, and people are like, Oh, well maybe it was the ninth seal, but whatever, let's call it 11. Um, and that 12 didn't quite exactly survive, but this show really likes to do something with the number 13. So mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't be surprised if there, yeah. there could be like <clears throat> a super secret. <clears throat> I'm sorry, a super secret. Yeah, like that the thirteenth, um, you know, is the actual group of people who survived. I do think that we're going to meet a descendant, at least one of these people. Um, but you know, <clears throat> it would be it would be interesting if that were the you know uh, Amori's other buyers. Um, but yeah, that would be so weird if they wanted yeah. the tech because they're not, they're anti-tech. So it's kind of confusing. Yeah. They, and there's well, also a new um, location introduced in the opening sequence. Yeah. Um, that I don't know if you guys noticed. Um, it, it looks like a seed vault. Right. It's It, it looks like a pointy structure uh, coming out of the mountain. Yeah. And people have you know, said this kind of looks like this um, seat vault, um, I, I guess, in Norway, uh-huh. somewhere near the North Pole. Um, Svalbard or whatever, seat vault, um, where they keep like millions of different species of plants. Uh, they, keep, they keep their seeds in, you know, cold temperatures. Yeah, it's but basically a doomsday vault too. Uh, I don't, I mean, it's not designed to keep people in it 
No. So I don't know why that would be relevant here. But um, anyway, this is area 1147-6, whatever. This area has been introduced. So that might be a bunker um, where these guys are still hold up. Or I'm still kind of, you know, hopelessly dreaming that maybe <laughs> one of those other locations that we had in previous uh, opening sequences, or maybe we still have them. Uh, you know, there is one location where they called the bunker, um, and there's another one called the capital city, and there's another one called the quarantine zone. Those all look sound uh, promising. Yeah. It's promising for creepy, creepy cults yeah, <laughs> mysterious so well, i don't I think, know but I, yeah we'll see I, i'm i'm sorry i think it's interesting i think um the the bunker that they do find um when they open it up and it's just a swampy soup of dead people it when they pan out on the on the cliff at the bunker that that clark jaha and, and bellamy don't see but the audience sees it it says Oh, what does it say? Uh, there is no second dawn, burn in hell, Cadigan. Um, so I'm wondering if Cadigan is just a big fucking con man um, that promised his level 12 people. Right, and he, he was level 13. Uh, and, and what if he's just like, well, yeah, I kind of didn't build this bunker to spec. Cut a couple corners. Yeah, what, yeah I mean, what if there he, is what if, what if there is a level 13? Because I, I as soon as I saw level 11... Um, and then I saw, oh, you had to be a level 12 to get in. I immediately thought, this is exactly There's like... There's going to be a level the 13. Thing. They're, they're going to no, find no, the no, 13th no, clan. No, 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 Joe. Let me, let me finish my thought. I mm. thought it, this sounds exactly like the scheme that is employed by the fake religion that rhymes with schmientology, that you have to buy your way up levels to gain superpowers... Um, and learn like the secrets of the cult and all that kind of stuff. So that's immediately what I thought. I'm like, this is just like that Tom Cruise religion, um, that you have to buy your way in. And what if, what if he like, so this guy has millions of dollars worth of real estate and, I don't know how much it costs to build a a bunker that can sustain people for a long time and be super stocked and super secure and whatnot, but I'm guessing he probably did that on purpose, and he was not in the bunker when right. people started. I mean, <sighs> I... I, I... I feel like this is too big of a thread for them to be like, "Welp, all we found were liquefied, liquefied corpses." Yeah. No, um, it's definitely it's definitely not a MacGuffin because you don't hire um, John Piper Ferguson. I believe, yeah, John Piper Ferguson, the the cult leader. He's a recognizable um, character actor, and you either you either pretty much hire him to be a crazy cult leader, an assassin, or a werewolf. Um, uh, can that's I just I feel. point out that I'm offended by your use of? The word MacGuffin. What I don't even know what that means. <laughs> it's just something to it, um, like. So MacGuffin move. is supposed to be something that your characters are after, something that motivates them, but it doesn't necessarily make sense, or you don't, you may not necessarily know what it is. Um, but that's not the point. The point is, this is what they want. So, for example, I, if you've ever seen. Um, um, that Tarantino movie, 
Um, I'm forgetting the name of the movie right now. Pulp Fiction? Uh, Pulp Fiction. Huh. Thank Good. you. <laughs> no problem. Where they have the suitcase, right? Where right. Uh, the, they oh, open yeah. the suitcase and there's something shiny in it. Um, and there's it's never explained what the heck that is or why they're after that and they kill a bunch of people for it. But that's not really the point, right? So that's a MacGuffin. But it sounded like you, you meant to say... Um, you meant to say that MacGuffin is like a meaningless part of the plot? Yeah, because anyway. that's how that's how I interpret it. Um, that it, it doesn't anyway. have it doesn't necessarily have a uh, an impact on the plot. It's just there to kind of move set pieces along. Um, and I I think that this this second dawn thing is going to come to rear its ugly head at some point because, like I yeah. said, you don't hire no, this I dude. I agree with you on that. It's you don't a hire this. Gun. Yeah, you don't hire this dude to play throwaway cult leader. You hire random extra. Um, it's so, very. So it's gonna be more than one hundred to saying. just spend a bunch of time talking about something and then never <laughs> have any follow up. You know, that's very unlike this show. So Yeah, yeah. So we're gonna we're gonna see these guys again. And I, I can't wait to see how uh, I don't. I can't wait to see if some of these crazy theories about their the, the possible connection to Becca, or what else could they have done with their millions of dollars? I I put I put forward maybe um, uh, there he was using it to build some sort of space transport. I mean, he purports to be anti-technology, but is he really anti-technology? I mean, dude's doing a TED talk. Mm, well, yeah. so. so- uh, or a TED TED Talk esque type thing. It's obviously right. not a TED Talk because um, you know rights and resources and po- copyright claims and yeah. So yeah, the show can't afford that. I mean, they can't even afford fifty more extras to be part of Luna's uh, crew. <laughs> <laughs> this is all that's left. All three of us. <laughs> all where there was going to be four, but we had a we had a camera go out that day that we had to replace. So that cost yes. money. Sorry. Um, um, so, what? Yeah. God damn it, Jaha getting another fucking interesting storyline. Like, we started this episode, like, this season being like, fuck that guy, when are they gonna kill him? Then you're like, god damn it, <laughs> he brought something cool to the table again. Damn it, Jaha. I, I, I don't, there are some people that are like, you know, Jaha is sorry for what he did. He was, oh, he no, was under not. complete control of Allie. I'm like, uh, he... I think he is very much responsible for what what happened with Allie last season. I don't. I think he had autonomy in making decisions about what happened last season, and basically his fucking little speech to Bellamy backed that up. He's like, um, every choice you make, you make to save your people. Even shooting me twice, as long as that's the truth, you don't need redemption. As long as your motives are pure and whatever you deem to be pure. Even if you're a fucking wacko and you think like shooting somebody in the face is pure, well then you don't need redemption. I can't fucking tee you. Jaha is still cuckoo crazy, and he's gonna cost (laughs) he's gonna cost uh, Sky Crew big sometime in the future because he's gonna go off the rails and make another one of his um, let me save everybody decisions. Uh, And I fuck that guy. I'm sorry, Danny. I know you're team goatee. I. I, do, I have such a bad feeling about Jaha. He's gonna fuck it up. I mean, he's gonna fuck it up, um, but it's gonna be interesting. So well, yeah, it's gonna be interesting. <laughs> I think I think it's really interesting. Um, 
you know, he's he is also he's a, a very observant person, even though he's a fucking train wreck of a so, character. So like, you Jaha can't turn says, away. I mean, Jaha says that if your intentions are pure and you do make the best decision that you can with the information that you have. Um, no, right, he, no, that's, that's another no. line that he always. But repeats, but the right? thing is, what is his definition definition of pure? If you're if you're a little bit crazy, you're trying to save the most people impartially. No, if you're cra- <laughs> if you're a little crazy, you could get it into your head that um, um, slapping random strangers as you walk down the street is is your way of slapping them back into the reality, into reality, slapping them. So they take stock of life and appreciate, you know, the smell of flowers or whatever. That's cuckoo crazy, but a cuckoo crazy person can believe their intentions are pure and that they don't need to ask for forgiveness. Um, and that's where I think think we've seen that on the, uh, on university campuses lately, but I digress. Wait, Um, what? In what um, respect? What's that? In what I don't I don't know what you're referring to. Uh, never mind. Just <laughs> move on. Cool story. Okay. Yeah, cool story, bro. Um, so I I think I think Jaw has deranged. Um, I think he hides it well, but I think he's deranged. Well, he is, and, he's a well-spoken he's, crazy person. Like, and if yeah, exactly. If he's not deranged, I think the writers are are have written themselves into a bit of a quandary with him because of if their intentions are that he feels badly about the city of light, then they're writing the opposite of that. Um, and I read, a, I read a, a, uh, <clears throat> an interview with Jason Rothenberg that says that, yeah, Jaha feels sorry for what he did. No, he doesn't. Look at your dialogue, dude. There's nothing that says he thinks he's sorry because you think you need redemption if you think you've done something wrong. He feels Um, like he regrets the way things turned out. Yeah, he's like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry you feel that way. Yeah, exactly. He's like one of those people that gives pussy ass apologies by saying, I'm sorry sorry you feel that way. Yeah, sorry your Fifi's got hurt. Um, but I'm sorry, not sorry. So fuck that dude. He, fuck that dude and his interesting storyline. Like all of a sudden Jaha was like, actually, I'm super important to season four because look, look at this thing that I found while dicking around on the internet. And you're like, God damn it, Jaha. Fine. I'll care about your fucking doomsday cult. Fuck. Damn um, it. Like I'm kind of angry about it. I think he, he had some. He had some good insight, but I don't know exactly where he gets it from because he was gone most of season two, and I don't know really how much he was exposed to Clark and Bellamy in season three that he's like, oh, Bellamy, um, you center her. And Bellamy's like, well, you got that. You, you Actually, the reverse is true. Like, Jaha, who the... How did... Is he just like... Is it is it just like random person needs to say that to Bellamy to get across that these two are very important to one another? Because I don't understand where Jaha gets this insight from. I mean, here's it- the thing. Jaha is it, like when they opened up that door, it was just like in Lost where they opened up the fucking hatch. Jaha is Locke 
And I haven't really like, you know, we have Clark and Bellamy as 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 Jack and and Kate. And they're gonna find Kane somehow in at the end of this bunker, and it's gonna be really confusing because he's also Desmond, and I'm pretty sure that the hundred is lost. But it's um, also not Penny's boat, right? So I don't it's know. It's not what's Abby's going. boat, and Abby goes on a fucking boat later. We have it in the preview, so I'm just saying. Uh, you know, and, and Jack and Kate don't end up with each other, do they? But they fuck, so you know, hey, it's something. Well, right? there you go. That you got something from this podcast, Bill Arkers. Um, so <laughs> moving on. Could be less mad at me at times, please, <laughs> Jesus. Um, yeah, you got into it with some some salty salty children on Twitter yesterday. Yeah, well, salty children need to toughen the fuck up. And just because I don't ship Bullark doesn't mean I haven't written extensively how important they are to one another. So, I don't know, maybe you could pay doesn't attention to that you put part your pee-pees of my review. together. Yeah, until they're rubbing pee-pees. Doesn't, doesn't count. count. I swear, we are raising some fucking weak-ass kids. Um, Honestly. Editorial. So, um, <laughs> do we have anything else to say about Jahan the Cult before we move on to the list? Where did the iPad, like, who... Where? So here, okay, so they got the, like, let's just say, hypothetically, I guess, that the Ark had, like, all of human history's, uh, you know, internet backed up, you know, in its Google cache. Like, in the hundred years that people were up there, did no one think, I wonder how this all happened? And, you know, that if the Doomsday Cult was in some way connected to Polaris and, and Becca's company, um... How is this an argument for them not being connected because no one found that information? Or is Jaha the one like intellectual, you know, curious person who's like, actually, I wonder, you know, what the doomsday cults of Earth had to say about this before the world ended? Like, how did he get to how did he fall down that like Internet rabbit hole and arrive at finding the second dawn? Like, was he looking for weird porn and, like, kind of, like, you know how, like, you're, like, six steps away from Hitler on Wikipedia at any given moment? Like, is that, like, how, how? It's It seems like he found someone exactly like himself. So he might have been looking up so what's exactly wrong with me porn. or... Uh, why the hell do I end up becoming a cult leader when did i shave my head under you know it looks good but why did i like at no point like when did he shave his head maybe he was looking up uh you know i miss ally night of faith maybe he was looking up old battlestar galactica episodes because he misses hallucinating some some lady in a red dress i don't know kierkegaard's fear fear and trembling like, yeah, I feel like I kind of feel like they're just kind of sprinkling Jaha in where I kind of just want if if you're going to do this, writers, I want a Jaha episode where like we see like a montage of his crazy. Like, I don't think I could take a whole episode like that. I think I'd be like, eh, eh, erase. You say Where's that Jaha and then the episode happens Bill? and then you're like, fuck, this is interesting. What I if just, Jaha is Bill Cadigan? Like he doesn't know it Read yet. Too out or, there. A little too out there. Like he 
reborn? Like, in what sense? Like, is or is? What What do you mean by is? Is, is Bill Cadigan. I don't know. How many is is there? <laughs> how could he be Bill Cadigan? How many Cadigan? is are there? How, how get, many get is us, Get Take us on this journey, Shaheen. Get us there. Never, to where... never mind. Yeah, never I'm, mind. Oh, my God. I'm kind of drunk now, so let's do this. Go yeah, into the no, well, actually. Sh- Shaheen Let's isn't just... even... No, we haven't even talked about the list yet. We can't go like, oh, and the list happened. Next. Oh, okay. <laughs> Thanks for listening to everybody. Are you sure you're not drinking, Shaheen? Because it's, it's getting around that time where both of you get a little bit... I've got I've to gotta pull <laughs> you both along in the podcast. Yeah, I, just, but... I just need my leash sharply tugged and I'll focus again. Okay, yeah, your little kid leash. So... Your monkey leash, is that what you called it? <laughs> it's the hyper kid leash. All right, so let's talk about the list. Trademark. The list of 100 people that um, Clark has to decide. And that Riley is on her do not murder list. Um, yeah, Riley's, no, Riley's number one. Like, no question. That's, that's a given. Um, it seems like... Am I reading it right that Clark came up with that list all by herself? I think so. I think that that's that the Bellamy burden. just kind of like they got back and Bellamy's like, mm, I'm gonna sleepy, eat for, gonna eat for a sweep. <laughs> okay, um, that, that's how I, I read it. I don't like how this like how did she make this list so quickly and. And what rounders know. are on Did she it? give up on, on trying to save everyone? Because, like... No, it's a contingency plan. It's a just-in-case list that she Well, then... okay, just-in-case we, we can only save 100 people. It doesn't have to be all Sky Crew. It could be, uh, you know, we take 10, pers- 10 people from each clan or, you know, something like well, that. Well, okay, so here's my question. And, and this is where it gets into some murky moral territory. So Joe will love it. Yay! Um, who shouldn't we take? So, if I'm being completely honest, mm-hmm. and I'm making the list, I am not putting rando people on the list. I am putting the most uh, skilled and experienced people who bring a set of knowledge along with them to um, to the little uh, the little group of 100 people that are survive- who are going to survive. You're going to need doctors. You're going to need engineers. You're going to need mechanics. You're going to need people who bring something to the table other than another um, body to sustain. And I know that probably sounds callous, but there's a reason why there's a list and not a lottery. To be honest, I, I don't think that uh, 100 people is a sustainable population i don't think that reaches a critical mass so if you you probably want to just keep all the you know uh, all the horny people who are just like <laughs> popping out babies all the time because if, that's if the read, only way you're gonna yeah i mean what 100 people well i mean really like a um you should exclude for age the only reason why abby would get a seat is because of her medical knowledge but her childbearing years are over um, I actually, yeah. I posted a thing on our Twitter and basically they've, they've asked this question for space travel. How many people do you need to repopulate? And yeah. the number, the, the baseline number that they came up was about 160 people. Uh-huh. However, um, there are estimates that if you sort of tweak when people have children and who gets to reproduce and how the ratios of men and women that you can actually probably get away with about 80 
um, uh-huh. in order to to actually successfully repopulate. So let's just call it 100. That seems like actually an okay number. Um, yeah. But in theory, you should have far more women than men. And you won't have anyone, any old women. Um, you you want them to be young so that you know you don't you don't miss those those prime childbearing years. Um, so, I, and I don't I don't make the list, do I? No, you definitely for many reasons, Jen. For many reasons, um, childbearing <laughs> just the least of them. Yeah, that's that's like that's like down like item number six B on why you are not on Clark's uh, savvy you know non murder list, um, <laughs> but. And, and and her thing about not putting herself on the list, like, on the one hand, like, that was, like, this sort of, like, noble gesture of, like, do I deserve to survive? But at the same time, it's like, bitch, you were the one making the list. Clearly, you think that you have some level of authority on this. Um, yeah, that's, yeah, you I, know. I, I had a problem with that, too. I mean, I don't it was, know. If, it was overly dramatic. I don't know if 100 people need a leader or, you know, or that a leader of 100 people really has to have that much skill i don't know especially if they're confined in a bunker um they have, I don't know. They have soft skills shaheen they have soft skills cuddling um, i don't know what a soft skill is no i mean it's not like oh i know how to screw a widget into another widget that's a, that's a, like a hard skill soft skill is more like uh marketing <laughs> so you once again so in other valuable. words yeah my I'm question valuable, is what you. is clark's why should clark be on that list or, or I, I, I think Clark lovers. should be. I think Clark should be on the list because Clark is the only one willing to make the list to create the list. She is the mm-hmm. only one that seems capable of taking on the obligation of creating, of, of doing what what needs to be done as a leader, and that means making the tough decisions. I I hope we get to see a watershed moment where somebody raises a fuss about. Well, I'm not on the list, blah, blah, blah. And she's just basically like, look, you have never once stepped up and had to make a decision that affects hundreds, perhaps thousands of people. I've done it several times. You have no idea the toll it takes. You have no idea how hard it is or how hard it was to create that list. So until you do, you random, worthless piece of shit, Jasper, shut the fuck up. Because these people, I mean, I mean like who has experience? Who has this experience that that Clark has? Jaha. Besides, does Jaha, Jaha get to be on the Kane. list? Yeah, Jaha's on the list. Um, people, uh, of course, the CSI contingent um, that is within the fandom, they have like embiggened the list, enhanced the list using their um, their special CSI capabilities, and mm-hmm. Jaha's mm-hmm. like number three or four on the list. Like he's high up there, and I'm like, what? Clark, no. Why? I mean, maybe she thinks she he's like her Obi-Wan Kenobi now. Uh, I don't know. I just... Mm. I, so... But, you just have a problem with Jaha. I think I do. I have, This is a block. Just have a Jaha issue. You're you know? really yeah. anti-goatee. Like, just really anti-goatee. about like, that facial hair choice. Like, it, like should should Danny Fluff and I meet in attitude. real life? She will probably punch me, and she's English, so think so that about, takes a lot. Th- yeah, think about how far she has to go mentally and emotionally to get to the point where she would want to punch me. But I guarantee, fucking t, she'll. This might this might be our breaking point. So, so what do we? So okay, and she'll so, apologize profusely. Oh, obviously. Like, oh, sorry, I'm about yeah. to do this. Sorry, I hit you. Are sorry, you okay? sorry, I hit you. 
<laughs> yes, got the English accent in there. <laughs> Do we? Okay, so right so on the plane was if if we're talking about the fact that obviously Clark was going to be on the list, is the whole Bellamy and Clark thing? Is that just Bullark fan service? Was that was that what that was? Um, you know, with um, their or was it or did it serve something just for those two characters of like? You know, once again, we will not only just have Jaha say that you two are indispensable to one another, but, you know, now we're going to have a moment where we realize that we're indispensable to one another. Like, what what was the purpose then if it was obvious that they were going to be on that list? Well, remember, what do you mean it was obvious? I mean, obvious to who? That, like, it's obvious that Clark was going to be on the list, but, like, it was obvious all our main characters are going to be on the list. Let's. Do you guys remember earlier in the episode when when Braven Lark is is talking and that's Raven, Bellamy and Clark. That's the ship name. Uh, is that acceptable to you, Shaheen? Is that yeah, is that say an that, okay? Shaheen, do we or... have your permission? I don't even care anymore. <laughs> She's like he's like shipper trash. Um, he's he's where I am all the time. Um, so remember when Bellamy said. They were talking about rations or something like that. And he's like, well, you don't have to worry about me because I'm not going to be inside when the doors close. So he had already determined that he was willing to sacrifice himself. Um, and I, I just I want to make sure people um, uh, uh, remember that moment because I think it's significant. I think it shows I think it shows a, a, an awareness that, you know, hey, since he since he destroyed the water generator, he's going to make a personal sacrifice. Um I mean, it's obvious that both of them are going to be on the list, but they can't, like, put themselves on the list. That's not who we... So they have to give each other per- permission to be on the list. Yeah, and, and and at this point, I'm at this point, it's hard to know what is shipper fan service and what is showing Just a good strong, character work? A, yeah, a strong relationship between a man and a woman, people, two people who depend on one another... And like Jaha said earlier, who who center one another, um, it, it's hard to tell. I again, I don't read, I, I don't read these two romantically. I think there might be feelings on Bellamy's side towards Clark, but Clark is obviously not there yet. Um, and if it ever happens, so be it. Yeah, understandably, people can fucking grieve for like all of two seconds on the show. Um, Right? Like, it's kind of weird that, you know, I'm like, wait, Clark, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, you're having, you're still thinking about Lexa? That's weird. That's, I, I feel like, surprising character development. I feel like every season has to give one or two moments that Bellark shippers can turn into gift sets that they put on Tumblr and then just stare at and go fucking crazy balls about. Well, if what's wrong with that? I mean, if you if someone a, wants to read them romantically, uh, there's, there's nothing there's, wrong there's with that. There's nothing wrong with that, and but it's like they it, did it, a lot it muddies of, the water a lot, I feel. They, they did a lot of, quote, shipper fan service for Clexa, uh, so... Yeah, they actually Before had a relationship and you know. fucked. So that's significant. Um, I think that they made love, keep Jen. They made Whatever. Love. Yeah, I guess, I guess are lesbians not uh, allowed there to was, just fuck? There were candles. It was not fucking. Because if you oh fuck and then there's, then there's the risk of walking over the candles and then the whole polis burns down and then Shaheen's fan fiction about the candle lighter of polis is just, it's very, it's, it's a whole thing. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I just feel like the the writers made a huge so mistake. So let's just say this scene could have been 
you could read it as a Belark thing, or you can just read it as yeah, a you Platonic can read it. You Belark, can write it, and that's up to you. And the scene supports both theories. Yeah, and I'm not saying it. it do- like I'm not saying that it doesn't. I'm just like I think the writers have have. The writers, especially on social media, created a, um, hey, are you into Bolark or are you into Teclexa? And that's like, no I'm writer, into Riley now. Like, no one the should writers ever, have created that or we have created no, that? No, no, no. The writers did. The writers have on social media. They did create that back. Um, I don't know if it was, I, I think, season two. They actually said that on uh, social media. I don't remember if it was the writer's room or, or Jason Rothenberg, but... It just shows a lack of awareness about how to engage with fandom. Like, they, did they learn nothing from, like, shows that had come previously about how rabid people get with their ships? Um, so I don't know. It just, like, they have to tread carefully and they have to tread lightly. And um, they have to to give both relationships equal, or all relationships, basically, some some weight to them. Um, that I, I don't, I don't know if they're just like baiting. I, I don't know. I, I don't have a lot of faith. They don't have to do them. anything. No, I realize um, they don't have to do anything, but. Oh, then the fandom doesn't have to already, go crazy. So I, whoa, you can't whoa, take responsibility shocking, you you away from God. anyone who acts crazy is, you know, anyone who goes out and acts crazy is on them. I've always said this and I say this in every context. Uh, it's on you if you do something crazy or hurt someone else you can't use anything else to justify it i don't care if you were oppressed i don't care if you were whatever you do that on your own so you know but i also feel that you know they they already gutted one ship in the way they um killed lexa off and that showed some real lack of awareness of what what how it would affect people in the real world and i think if you create art um, you have to have some cognition there. So I- I'm just hoping that they're not setting, they're just not baiting the Balarkers to get ratings because I don't, I don't think that's the right way to go about it. I, I think they will eventually end up with one another in season five. Um, and I'm just, you know, I- I'm hoping they do the build up right because I've seen the show um, not do some relationships well. So I just want, you know, I, I don't want the, the, um, the good Bellark uh, shippers to be um, played with or toyed with. Um, but fuck I just those feel Tumblr like, assholes. Yeah, but fuck the Tumblr assholes. Um, uh, you know, Tumblr, to me, Tumblr is just a cesspit of like Maybe you're just too old olds. for it, Jen. Like maybe you don't get no, it because you're... Yeah, it's just a bunch of mo- touchy-feely millennials that get their fifis hurt um, way too easily. So, well, editorial comment. Um, but I think... I, in terms, if we're getting if we're getting back to the scene um, it, itself or whatever, um, I mean, and and what from the previews? I guess next week, what is it? Jasper and Monty sort of find this list. Yeah, like secure that she throws it into the drawer. Ugh. 
Like it's it kind looks of like, like the drawer doesn't have like a face to it. Like it's just open. Like dude, dude, she's like as careless as Rowan is with the flame. Dude, it's like when like when I was watching this week's episode of Riverdale and this one girl, a a teenager who still writes in a diary, how fucking quaint. And then like <laughs> she has a crazy batshit mother, and obviously mom is gonna find her diary, and she like writes down shits shit in her diary that's like actual felonies, and you're just like, dude, <laughs> what are you doing? And so, you know, the fact that that Clark is like, I'm going to make a list. I'm just going to, I'm not even going to fold it up. I'm not going to keep it on my person. I'm not going to hide it under my mattress. I'm just going to put it in a drawer. And what what's the worst that could happen? I'm like, Clark, come on you know, now. You know that Monty and Jasper find it when they're looking for paper to roll up their weed. Right? And I, yes. I really hope that Clark goes off on them and be like, you know, fuck off, Jasper. Just absolutely fuck off. Um, yeah, but but that's going to put her... It seems like it's a very public Oh, it's reveal. not going to go well for her. Yeah, it's not going to go well for her. So if she takes an ad- adversarial stance, I believe that she, they could get her killed. I, can't, by, like, I, just, I kind of want her to leave again then and just be like, you know what? I'm out. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm done. I'm going to go eat you. some three-eyed fish and just die over... Uh, over at Nyla's place or something like that. Right? Like, go get laid, Clark, and, you know, fuck all the haters. Yeah. yeah. I I hope that she does have that moment because one of my one of my uh, criticisms of season three was that she allowed people just to com- continually dump on her and didn't she didn't stand up for herself. And I know, whatever, she's grieving, blah, 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 and she's singularly concentrating on stopping Allie in the City of Light, but... At some point, somebody has to say that leadership entails making really, really tough decisions. And until you have made a really, really tough decision, you can't criticize. Um, and whether or not that statement I just made is is entirely true or not, you know, that's that's up for debate. Because I think we we criticize all the time people whose roles we've never um, been in. So. You know, I'm probably just a big, huge flaming hypocrite. Um, what else so is let's, new? Let, let's get our into our well actuallys. Um, so one of my well actuallys is I'm like kind of I'm I'm. Um, Shaheen mentioned this on the last our last podcast about you know why why isn't there a, a system of leadership like why is Clark just assuming she's in charge? Where what happened to? the chancellorship and all that. And last episode, I was like, oh, they can't deal with that bureaucracy shit. And I've quickly changed my mind. I'm like, the lack of formal leadership and voting and all that kind of stuff is really bothering me right now. Um, why like, why is anyone following an 18-year-old or or any of these kids? Like, why is Abby deferring to Clark and Raven? I, I, I don't understand. So that's my will, actually. Ah. <sighs> Yeah, I mean, but here's the thing. I think I think Raven is definitely I mean, an argument can certainly be made for Clark that she has been like saving their asses repeatedly. But never mind all that. In terms of Raven, I mean, Sinclair's gone. Who the fuck knows what happened with Wick in terms of the story? Like, never mind the actor. And so Uh, Raven's (laughs) kind of, you know, stem center. Um, plus she's, you know, Allie, Math, and Hans. So I think that that one's kind of a fair point. Um, 
But in terms of Clark, yeah, you kind of have to be like, you have to kind of be an audience member and be like, well, she actually saved you a bunch of times, so. Yeah, I mean, but if like, if we were going to be anal retentive about the Exodus Charter as soon as they hit Earth and shocklash Abby for shit and stuff like that, um, and have an election that got Pike uh, put in a position of leadership, why is all of that just kind of thrown out the window? And why is there it not needs a to vice be chancellor? Like, it why is... It needs to be explained, I think. Why is there not, like, when you elect a chancellor, there's not a vice chancellor so that every time, if something happens to the chancellor, that you have to have an entirely new election? I mean, that seems like kind of a pain in the ass. Eh. Personally. Yeah. So what? what is your well, actually, Joe? Uh, I think we already... I, I wanted them to explore the bunker, um, even, like, after they opened it and found all the dead bodies. Like... Surely the no. people didn't go. No, 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 no. Hold on, hold on, hold on. So surely they didn't go into the bunker like the 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 doomsday people and were like, "Well, this seems good. We're not going to look around and make sure that there's food in the pantries." Like surely that like at least whoever created the bunker like faked stockpiling it. Um, and so there's probably some useful <laughs> shit. I mean, in the there. way it looked, it was kind of looked like they were all just lying down on in a big room. In a so big room, it's like, were they going to do that for, like, 100 years? Or what was the plan exactly? You know how, um... I thought that they would have tried to get out. Like, that's probably, like, why they were in that room, is that they were trying to get out when they realized that uh, that people were still getting sick and dying. So I would still assume that there's, like, goods and services back further away. What, what if, like, in a separate room or chamber, it's just, like, a cardboard front... Like it's just a picture of canned goods and whatnot, but it's like it's like those 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 fake ass cardboard TVs that furniture stores put on things, and that's that's okay. all it is. It's just so all you like, flick it with your finger and it just falls over. Yeah, exactly. It's all fake. Um, yeah, it's it's a little. I'm assuming that the like, I'm assuming that whatever happened happened very quickly. Um, that but like here's it was a thing, matter like, of days when they were all until they were all dead because let's say it's a couple let's say it's 200 people part of this doomsday cult like i'm just throwing mm-hmm. out a number but given the size of the room like fine so 200 people get marched in through this door at one point you know the first person who who reaches the very end and realizes let's just say that there's not any good just goods or anything like that it's just like a hole in the ground at some point they would turn around and shout hey this fucker lied you know they would reach the end of the room before the 200th person did. And so they would stop the door from closing and be like, fuck this noise. Like, like how were they able to get all these people in this bullshit room without any doors to like any other supply areas or rooms or anything like that? What if they had a moderately, moderately stocked snack table? Like when you got in and people were like hungry and shit and they're like, Oh look, raisins. Um, (laughs) And then the door closed and they were like, Oh fuck. All we have are three raisins. Fuck this dude. Yeah. Red Dawn is sorry, not Red Dawn. Second Dawn is bullshit. Burn in hell. Um Fuck Cadigan. And is was that written in blood? Oh, that's a good question. Is it written in blood, reason, feces, or liquefied lesion juice? Okay, so it is liquefied people. <laughs> and it. that's the reason if I'm Clark Bellamy or Jaha, that's the reason I don't go exploring further. Cause it, it's just a swampy mess of gross dead people. Like it and didn't look like things had desiccated and dried out. It looked like there damp. was a scent. Like there was probably a right, smell. Right, like how did they not smell out. that? 
Yeah, I would I would have oh. lost my I would have lost my lunch right there. First of all, I'm not going down there to begin with because of all the spider webs. I would have pieced out. I would I'd just oh, be yeah, like, no. I'm gonna go stay in the rover, guys. Let me know what you find. Um but yeah, I I'm not going uh, to that guys, squishy the, mess. The dramatic tension that they built up with the rover pulling the door open. I was like, oh my god, shit or get off the pot. Like, I don't need 90 seconds of will they or won't they get the door open with this fucking rover. Like, <laughs> either it's going to work or it's not. They just it, it felt like they were kind of taking up a little bit of uh, extra time. It's kind of like sex scenes in Shonda Rhimes shows where you're like, so you guys were just too lazy to write any more dialogue for this show. You're just going to show people fucking for <laughs> yeah, like it's, forever. Yeah, it's usually, and it's usually somebody like like thrown up against the wall, and then there's movement. Like in a Shonda Rhimes show, the sex never happens where it's initiated. It's usually like, oh, throw you up against the wall, kiss for a little bit. Um, and if you're Olivia Pope, you're going to knock over a glass of red wine onto her nice white couch, which who owns a fucking white, white couch? couch? If you're that much of a red wine lush, no, yeah. it's not. And then Jake, Jake will pick her up and they'll like move maybe over to a table to do like a little hanky panky. But then and you're like, dude, the bed is like right there. I can see it in the shot. Like, yeah, the door, but, it's just right there. Yeah. Like go over there. It. That table cannot support your weight, and you're going to get from scratches in one, it. It's one, for fuck's sake. Yeah, I mean, nobody can buff out those scratches. That's soft wood. Honestly, don't trust pine. Anyway, what's your will actually, Shaggy? <laughs> <laughs> well, you already kind of spoiled it. It's just, Roan just throws the flame into the, or what he thinks is the flame, just into fire. I'm just like, dude, just give it, like, maybe two minutes of thought before you do that maybe like you want to prove to someone that this actually happened like maybe someone could, maybe will have like, some questions and need some evidence Rome's a straight shooter he shoots from the hip you know he doesn't have time for your no no guys this 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 could have worked for him he could have just like taped shit back together and if you like you're within five feet of the flame you can tell that that shit's all taped up but he's always holding the flame up in front of a crowd of people that's a little off the way. So he could just be like, look, I still have the flame. Flick it, yeah. you know, hold it out real quick and then put it back in your pocket real quick and be like, yeah, that's all That's all you get. You're, you're unworthy. I shall not gaze upon the flame for more than two seconds. He could have passed this off. But instead he's just like, burp, and just tosses it into the fire. He makes, uh, Ron, you gotta, mm. Well, and this All gets right, back so, to the question of how do people know what the flame looks like and what it is yeah, in terms no of the idea. lay person? So, like, couldn't you just, like, hold up a fucking walnut and be like, ooh, it hides ooh. in mysterious places? Carve a little infinity symbol into it? Look. That's all you need, it's right? It's the flame. It just has blood on it or whatever. Like, I kind of it's want just... Roan to, like, pull it out from behind someone's ear like a like a drunk uncle. Like, what's this <laughs> behind your ear? Oh, it's the flame. Oh, it's the flame. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, I really hope that that the I really hope that Clark doesn't get faked out and learn that the flame's been destroyed because I don't I don't think I can take that heartbreak. No, um, no, I'm sad too. Aw, all right, mm-hmm. so let's let's start wrapping this shit up. So obviously next week we're going to be covering the next whoa, episode. Whoa, whoa, whoa! We did not get to our Riley watch since this Riley is watch be our- zero Riley. So this episode was pure unadulterated garbage. I don't even know why we're talking about this episode. It's horrible. Right, guys? No, Riley. What do you, f- what do you feel, Shaheen? I feel like since you don't 
dabble into the Twitter mess that you don't see like the batshit fandom that's happening about Riley? Or do you just feel <laughs> it in your heart? <laughs> um, I feel his absence every Keenly? second is not there. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so here's my question for you, Shaheen, since this is a point of, of debate on the Twitters. Did Riley sleep with Brian during the whole farm station as Geta thing? Or is Riley one of Clark's old flames from the Ark? Both. I mean, Why can't we have a bisexual man? I mean, we can, but I'm saying like... So you're saying I mean, that- Clark would have owned him. Like, <laughs> Clark... <laughs> he's just not... Just snap that shit right off. Yeah, he's not a... So, he's, he can He's not a match for Clark. So. so he slept with Brian during the whole farm station thing, is what you're saying. Yeah, they're it's a better possible. match. They're, okay. they're they're both soft. Better match. <laughs> um, so uh, what TV shows do we have to recommend? Um, who put down Riverdale? That wasn't me. I put down Riverdale. Oh, you did. I did. I didn't want to like it, but like, fuck, it's so trashy. Yeah, um, I kind of like it too. It's weird. Like, it's weird. It's 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 guilty, but at the same time, like, it's kind of checking off. It actually reminds me a lot of Ryan Murphy's popular. Um, in the way, but it's, it's basically like someone was like, so I just read the weirdest alternate universe fan fiction on the Archie comics. <laughs> Let me pitch to you an idea for a television show. Like it, it completely reads as taking characters from one property and being like, let's put them in an alternate universe. And I know that they're like, oh, it's like Twin Peaks or whatever. Never mind all that. Like people who even watch Riverdale don't even know what Twin Peaks is. Um, <laughs> But, like, it's just kind of characters that happen to be named Archie, Veronica, and Betty, and Jughead. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's interesting. It's kind of fun. Who put down Rick and Morty? Oh, Shaheen, did you write Rick and Morty? Yeah. It's good, right? Rick and Morty, man. It's a new thing. It's not that new, but... <laughs> <laughs> It's a new thing for me. <laughs> Beverly Hills 90210, it's the newest. If I'm watching it now, then it's new. <laughs> what do you like about it? Uh, Rick and Morty is awesome. It's just, um, if if you like irreverent comedy, just all kinds of random shit happening, alternate universe, awesome. Yeah, Dan oh. Harmon. Your fucking love right. for Dan Harmon. Yeah, and, I'm kind of, he's kind of growing on me. But wait, but you never watched Community, right? No, not yet. Like, of all things, Dan Harmon. You're like, I'm not actually going to yeah. write his, like, magnum opus. <laughs> yeah, it's like being a fan of George Railroad Martin and be like, eh, I'm not going to read the main um, Song of Fire and Ice books. I'm just going to read, like, the the appendix or whatever, whatever the history of... Westeros. Oddly, I think I do that with a lot of people I like. You just ignore their magnum No, he totally does like the hipster thing of like, I'm not going to read the mainstream thing that is actually amazing. (laughs) I'm going to like read their like side (laughs) projects. It's like, it's like being a JK Rowling fan and being like, you know what? Hard pass on Harry Potter, but casual vacancy. That was, yeah. (laughs) Um, And I guess the only show um, aside from Legion, which is, which is still really good and very interesting is, um, the magicians, uh, bleh, the magicians is getting really, really good. Um, it's just crazy, wacky, 
dark <laughs> um, magic, and it 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 uh, it balances things out well. Joe, have you caught up with it yet? No, I think we're probably just uh. going to wait until we can marathon it. We actually started, of all things, uh, Lemonade Snicket on Netflix with Netflix, uh, yeah. with NPH. Yeah, um, it's. I've, I'm not familiar. I never watched the movie. I never read any of the books. Um, it's like on the one hand, I see what they're doing. Like it's very like dark, weird, twisted kids tale. On the other hand, like yeah. there's a very strong like NPH trying to marry a child uh, happening oh, on the show, which okay. they sell it as like, oh, he's trying to get control of like her fortune that she inherited from her parents. But I'm still just like, you know, maybe let's just. Can we do something that's not child bride? Can is that is that in yeah, any way a storytelling that, option? That would make me feel a little weird. Um, that and said, my... it's good. Like it's oh, a good okay. show and it's well produced and like yeah, everyone in it is good. Um, and there was a nice little Supergirl reference. Uh, the girl, oh. the actress who plays like the the child bride. Well, not the actually child bride, but the girl. She actually plays a young Supergirl on the on Supergirl. There you go. Oh. Uh, and they made a joke where she, like, asked for pot stickers, um, which is a very oh. Cara Danvers Supergirl thing. So I was like, hello, yeah. look, at, look yeah. at you making little jokes. Um, oh. But it's right. it's good. It's good. Oh, okay. Well, I might check it out. Um, I, I, last night I started binging, of all things, Lucifer, um, which is a garbage show. And is completely, it? yeah, people it, it, rave about it. It's a garbage show that is completely uh, a vehicle for the main character, Lucifer. If he was not charming and funny, then it would just be garbage. Is he? Um, it, is is it, it might supposed get to be better. the devil? Like, is it like? Yeah, he's supernatural. He's, he's a, yeah, he's the devil. The devil. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's Idris yeah. Elba, right? Um, Lucifer, not Luther. Oh, never mind. Completely different <laughs> show. I was like, wow, they really didn't like, They that was really understated for him to be the devil. Um, okay, completely wrong show. Yeah, I don't, uh, I don't know where you're going with that. Oh, so who's this white dude? What white dude? Lucifer. <laughs> He's, uh, okay, we're talking about two different shows. <laughs> Luther has Idris Elba in it, and it's a BBC show. <laughs> right. That's what I was thinking you were talking about. Now I've looked up the word Lucifer and it apparently is some white guy wearing a, a shiny black shirt. Yes. Okay. Oh, God. <laughs> it had to be some sort of train wreck during this podcast. And if it didn't involve Joe, then it just wouldn't feel right. <laughs> You're the only one laughing at this. Yes, because I amuse myself. So... Thanks, everybody. Is it good? For... What? Lucifer. Oh, my God. Did you not pay attention to anything I was saying? I said it's garbage, if not for the fact that the main character is charismatic. Oh, shit. The dude who played the principal in the last season of Buffy is in this. And this is, this is where <laughs> the stream of consciousness ADHD just kind of takes Joe on a journey. I think and it's we're just not... half a bottle of old Malbec if we're going to be in specific, <laughs> but... Well, thanks, everybody, for listening to this episode. It's a little bit long, but it's Joe's fault. So, um, rem re uh, sorry, remember to follow us on Twitter and Facebook at May We Geek Again, and we will chat at you guys later. May We Geek Again. Take bye, it guys. easy, guys. Okay, bye.